It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have Many of your burning questions answered here. I met my next guest at the Untangling Our Roots Summit in Louisville, Kentucky this past March and learned more about her as an advocate for adoptees. Her name is Beth Syverson. A part of her bio states that she's an adoptive mom of a vibrant and intuitive 19-year-old son, Joey, who has been struggling to find his healing path. Beth and Joey created the Unraveling Adoption podcast together in 2021 in order to help other families learn from the challenges they've experienced. I've had the opportunity to listen to several episodes and the ones where Joey answered important questions based on his lived experience were quite insightful. Beth is also the facilitator of Aptitude, a support group for adoptive parents facing adoptions challenges, providing resources on the topics of addiction, adoption, mental health, and parenting. She is almost done with her training to be a certified coach, so she will soon be able to guide adoptive parents so they can be better advocates for their adopted children. Allow me to introduce you to someone who during this episode shares a part of her journey in adoption land with truth and transparency. Beth understands the center stage adoptive parents have had for far too long and is doing her part to center the adoptee voice. I sense that she is hearing, listening, and understanding adoptees from all walks of life. She is open and willing to engage with adoptees, though it can be challenging at times. She is able to allow space. Beth is committed to helping her son Joey and others by sharing the many tools that have proven to be a tremendous benefit to her. Beth, I'd like to welcome you to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. And how are you doing today? Oh, I'm well. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. I, I'm very honored to be in Adoptee Land. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're happy to have you. And I know you're an adoptive parent. Your mm-hmm. son is Joey. And I got to meet you in person recently when Right to Know and the National Association of Adoptees and Parents hosted Untangling Our Roots, and it was really a pleasure to meet you there. You as an adoptive parent are, as far as I'm concerned, so much of an adoptee advocate in the community. Uh, You have a podcast, you host Unraveling Adoption, and I've had a chance to listen to uh, several episodes, and I just think you do a a great job. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And I'm looking forward to having you on there pretty soon. I'll get you on there as soon as I can. And it was wonderful to meet you, too, at the conference. 
it's so interesting. You know, you have a picture of what someone looks like in your head from these podcasts, and then you meet the person and put him in face to the voice. It's, it's fascinating, and it was great to give you a squeeze and just meet you and so many other people that I've only heard or seen on Zoom. It was a pretty incredible experience. It really was. And what was your experience like that weekend in Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. this past March? What was it for you? Had you been to a conference before? Not an adoption conference at all. I'm okay. a musician by day. This adoption space that I've been in has only been in the last couple of years. And there's COVID and all that. So this was definitely my first big event. And I was pretty terrified because I'm an adopted parent. And I, I knew there'd be a lot of adoptees there, plus all the right to know people, uh, you know, the people that were surprised by DNA, the not parent expected people, NPEs, right. and people. I don't know those people at all. And I didn't know how they would react to me as an adopted parent. I didn't put a label on my forehead or anything, but I didn't hide it either. You know, if people said, hey, who are you? I would say, I'm an adoptive parent. And I was pretty scared because online I get heat a lot from other adoptive parents, actually, and from adoptees and from birth parents sometimes. And I just can be a punching bag sometimes online. But the conference was amazing. And I didn't get any any, uh, harassment at all. And in fact, Leslie... Uh, Pete McKinnon, who's a birth parent who I've interviewed on the podcast, she checked in with me right away. She says, how are you doing? Is everything okay? And I said, yes, everything's okay. And I felt like she and the hosts were going to protect me in case anything bad happened. But nothing bad happened. And I learned so much just being with that many other adoptees and NPEs and DCPs. And it, it really blew me away, really. Yeah, Leslie is really a sweetheart. I've known her for many years, and and she checked on me too. I guess she just checks on oh, everybody. I'm, I'm so- yeah, I'm sorry that you had some fears, uh, and and understandably so when you get attacked on social media, and that many people in the community have expressed that they've been going through that, whether it's adoptee mm-hmm. on adoptee or mm-hmm. adoptee on a adoptive parent. It, it is a scary mm-hmm. place many times on mm-hmm. social media. And I think in person, this is why I'm always telling my listeners, if you get a chance to go to a conference, please do, because something, I call it magical, happens when you can be face-to-face with another mm-hmm. member of the constellation and, and maybe even be able to see them differently than you could possibly see them on a Zoom meeting or uh, on social media. Yeah, I agree. The people that are willing to schlep all the way to Louisville and learn how to pronounce it. <laughs> and, and Louisville. Spend the time, Louisville, like only has two syllables or something. <laughs> yeah, the people that are willing to spend the time and effort to get there and money are probably not going to be the ones to harass each other. So there's, that eliminates a lot of it. But yeah, seeing the actual person, like, oh, they're not just a caricature or a you know, you're not just put in a box like, oh, you're an adoptive parent. You must be X. Because I know a lot of adoptees, rightfully so, are very angry about their adoption and about the, their adoptive parenting experience. So I understand. But I'm just one person. And so I think being in person at an event like that helped everybody see each other's humanity and our similarities and our uniqueness. Kind of both of those things at the same time. 
Absolutely. I know one of the things that I got out of the summit or conference was that unity and togetherness is strength and that like mm-hmm. like the saying goes there's strength in numbers and that's kind of what my focus has been lately i think even like joining with npes and donor conceived as adoptees mm-hmm. we have the potential to learn even more there's mm-hmm. a lot of overlap and so yeah why why not get stronger and if it's through conferences and even, you know, just attending other events that other groups are doing, huh? yeah, we come together. Like, I just see that, I just don't see that being a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a really good thing, Standing Strong, Standing Together. It was the title on the yeah. uh, handout for Untangling Our Roots. And it, it just seems like the next logical step. Yeah, I agree that there's so much overlap. And there's some difference, obviously, between those couple of communities, but there's so much we can learn from each other. And we we tend to stay siloed in our own little groups. But I just thought it was so enriching to hear. I was on a, a panel with, it was about mothers. So I was on a panel at the summit. So me, an adoptive parent, a birth mom, and an egg donor mom. And oh my gosh, that was fascinating because you you hear from adoptees all the time you know they have the nine months in utero and that is so important and they bonded with their birth mother well this person just donated the egg but she still felt incredibly when she was reunited with a couple of her her egg donor children she felt extremely bonded with these kids Mm -hmm. and i'm like whoa that is like biology (laughs) intense because they didn't even have the nine months with her, just the egg, just the DNA, basically, right? But man, it's it's something to be reckoned with. This DNA, this biology, is so important. Yeah, it really is. I I believe that DNA is yeah, it's pretty pretty big piece in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that just really gripped you or or just spoke to you? the most about being there that weekend? Probably the the most touching workshop I went to is one hosted by Leslie, and it was about genetic attraction, which I'd never heard of before, really. But it, it, it happens when people become in reunion with birth family, parents or siblings or whatever, and they are, feel so tight together and bonded because of those genes that sometimes romantic or sexual energy can happen between them, which is like, whoa, scary. And no one's talking about it. So Leslie's trying to get everybody to talk about it more. And I'm going to try to get an episode on our show about genetic attraction because, man, people going into reunion need to know about that. And she had two women that were adoptees in reunion that shared their story. And it was, whoa. I can see how that could totally happen. And so just super eye-opening and super like, oh, my gosh, you've got to tell people (laughs) about this. Yeah, I remember when I first heard about that. It's been some years ago, but I I remember reading it and thinking, hmm, that's interesting. And then I would later meet a birth mom and her son, and they both described that that actually happened. I mean, they didn't take it anywhere, but they felt Mm -hmm. that. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. so that is that's a thing for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What really got my attention was the podcasting workshop. So I I didn't get to sit through the entire thing, but what I did sit through with four podcasters, one of them being Damon Davis, is the questions that were asked. I found myself in the back listening to those questions and and answering them in my head. And they were really (laughs) great questions. Like, what's been the most challenging thing about podcasting? What about for you? It's been challenging. Like I said, I'm a musician. This whole talking to people is new, but the marketing of it and getting people to listen to it, it's like, whew, several more jobs on top of just the recording. (laughs) Right. And you don't want to record it, have this amazing episode, and then I really want lots of people to hear it. I'm trying not to be super tied into the numbers. It doesn't matter really, but I just want more people to hear it. And I'm trying to figure out the formula. And, you know, they didn't teach me this in music school at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just trying to pick it up as I go along. But it's it's tough, and it's tough to, to balance out. I'm trying to be very intentional on who I'm bringing on. After my first year, I looked back and almost all of my guests were white women. Like, oh, that's not good. I need to make sure and balance this out. And so I'm trying to bring on more people of color, more, you know, LGBTQ people and more men. Mm-hmm. And especially since I have an adopted son, I want him to hear men's voices. And I don't know if you noticed at the conference too, tons of women. It is such a women dominated field. Yeah, we overrepresent for sure. Yeah. yeah. Trying to go every other episode is with men. So trying to find men. So men <laughs> Yeah. Men have to be on the pot. I talked to a male adoptee earlier today who is starting or they may have already started a podcast for adoptees, male adoptees, and I just thought that's great. That's I think awesome. that that is because they're so underrepresented in our community yeah. and they know it. Yeah, I think things are are definitely getting better. Well, I'm glad to hear that you, you know, made that observation and and are going to do something about it. I know uh, as a a black woman, I do like to hear from people of color. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and Joey, your son, as mm-hmm. an, as an Asian male, I'm sure he wants to hear from other Asian yes. men. Yes. I'm really trying to be more representative. My white women have to just wait. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're a white woman. You're at the end of the line. <laughs> but they're they're all very understanding, and they'll get in there eventually. But yeah, but I realize I have to really like I made little rules for myself because otherwise, it just like whoever walks through the door and like well, okay, whatever. But I have to really be intentional on asking people and asking around who else what other people of color would like to be on and asking friends, you know, for guidance and really prioritizing it. Yeah. The the first year I thought, Oh, it's very important to me to honor people of color and bring their voices in, but I didn't really do it. It's like, yeah, it's a great idea. I've read the anti-racism books. I'm, you know, I'm trying, but I realized I got to like actually do the thing. So I've got to disappoint the white women that want to be on the show by saying, no, I don't have room for you. And I'm, you know, bumping people off so that there's room for people of color inside, like intentionally putting many more in. That's what I like about you. I think you are very intentional and you're very sensitive to 
the big picture. Like I can deeply appreciate that because mm-hmm. that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Even with the best intentions, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm anti-racist. But it takes some real thought and commitment to really, you know, be diverse and represent all the different types of people. It, it's like you got to make a chart. <laughs> yeah. And I think it makes for good parenting, you know, just mm-hmm. overall to to take that position of being intentional. Mm-hmm. One of the mm-hmm. other questions that they asked in that podcast workshop was, what have you learned? This is my last question about podcasting, I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what have you learned that you wouldn't have learned since you've been podcasting? Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting because the podcast has been just along with the trajectory of personal growth uh, coming out of the the fog, as they say, learning about adoption trauma. But I think the podcast has caused me to talk deeply with so many adoptees and birth parents, hearing their stories in detail and in such an intimate space with just this conversation between them and me, you know, even though it's out to the public. But the depth of the pain, I feel, really informs so many of my choices and my own attitudes now. And I I tell adoptive parents as much as I can, listen to adult adoptees, especially ones that have done some work and are able to talk about their growth. It's so helpful to help me understand what my son might be going through, what he went through, what he might still be having to go through. And even in the conference and these different people I've spoken to on the pod, it just helped deepen my understanding of the pain. You know, because I read the books, I, I read the primal wound, and it's one thing to read about it. It's another thing to look a person in the eyes and, and watch them tell their story and go, whoa, that's heavy. That's a right. big trauma and big, big, you know, burden to carry around with you. And so it gives me so much more empathy for my son. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think I've become more sensitive and empathetic. Yeah, since I've been podcasting. One of the things that I definitely, to answer that first question I asked you, is one of the things that I find very challenging is not interrupting. Because when you're having a, like just a normal conversation, which is kind of how I envision each episode to be with a guest, mm-hmm. yeah, it's tricky not to interrupt like both ways because in conversations that happens, but it feels, mm-hmm. yeah, it feels challenging for a podcast. And probably, yeah, the, that is... oh, go ahead. <laughs> we just did it, right? <laughs> yeah, because on podcasting, if you talk over each other, you can't hear each other. Uh, so, yeah, that's funny. And plus, as a host, I always try to be, well, you are such a gracious, gracious host. I just love your demeanor and everything. But yeah, you try to make it about the person you're interviewing and not about yourself. And it's, it's difficult to balance that while also trying to have a conversation. Right. That's, yeah. That's I found that tricky. And then I think as far as what I've learned since podcasting that I might not have known is everybody wants to be invited. Like I didn't know that until podcasting. And there've been plenty of people that have told, not plenty, but there've been enough people that said, no, I'm not going to do that right now. But at the same time, they still appreciated the invitation. So now I just ask any and everybody and whatever they decide, that's fine. You know, what do you call it? I gave the gift 
mm-hmm. the invitation. And that's enough. So yeah, I think people really appreciate being able to share their story. And I love podcasting because it's long form. It's not just snippets and little blurbs. It's it's long enough. We got to get people from their home to their job so we can go a long time, you know, <laughs> in these conversations. So I think people appreciate being able to tell their story. I know I do. I, I very much appreciate being able to tell my story on your podcast because you mostly talk to adoptees. So I very much appreciate you allowing me to be in this space and I honoring that place. I'm trying to stay in my own lane. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know what you mean. I've had adoptive parents on. I've had adoptees who are adoptive parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I welcome all members of the Constellation. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, the adoptee is centered in the Mm -hmm. conversation for my podcast. So yeah, clearly I have many more, always will have many more adoptee guests than anybody else. But I believe that we can all come to the table and -hmm. work together. Again, I do believe that there's strength in numbers and I think we can all learn from each other. I think I've heard you say on your podcast that everyone has their pain in this subject, in this, this whole relinquishment adoption journey Uh and like my parents could not conceive and Mm -hmm. opted for adoption to start their family there was pain in in that it was pain in Mm -hmm. being unable to to conceive and right and then there was pain for the birth parent and Mm -hmm. pain for the adoptee of course so I guess it's really a good place for us to go now is however much you want to share and wherever you want to start about your yeah. journey. Yeah. Well, it's definitely not like a pain Olympics or anything. We're not trying to compare pain or anything. But, yeah, from the adoptive parent point of view, yeah, I, I came into this because of infertility. No one told me, you know, Beth, you better check that and uh, go get some therapy around that before you adopt. And just went, okay, well, I'll just create a family a different way. And so that's what I did. And now... 20 years later I'm dealing with my infertility grief which is deep it's it's primal and it's it's deep and you know I don't have a child that looks like me or that acts like me I was the type of kid that sat in my bedroom reading books and playing the piano all my whole childhood and the child I got was extremely athletic and hyper (laughs) it's just different and it's just not the way it would have been it's not nearly as deep as a pain of separation of that adoptees experience, but I think it's helpful for everyone to understand there's pain on all the angles. Everybody's experiencing pain. And certainly the pain of watching my son completely, you know, try to self-destruct has been incredibly painful. And it took me a while, but I figured out that much of that self-destructive behavior is rooted in his adoption trauma. And then there's the pain of, oh, crap, I adopted him. If I wouldn't have adopted him, maybe he wouldn't have, you know, had this much pain and trauma, but somebody else would have adopted him. So it wouldn't have really fixed the whole issue. But there is a lot of guilt involved, for sure, in adopting and being part of this system that causes so much pain. So the way I deal with that is to to tell myself I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Just give myself some grace around that. And now I know. And so now I'm trying to 
do better for my son and I'm trying to help other parents. So that's kind of how I, I deal with that, that guilt and uh, shame around that. But, and it helps, it helps me to take action and, yeah. you know, write blogs and, and put out this podcast and, and support other adoptive parents and help them understand sooner than I did about yeah. adoption trauma. Yeah, I think it is wonderful when we can turn pain into purpose. And mm-hmm. you certainly have taken action to do that. Yes, mm-hmm. that, that's good. And so how have you best navigated your evolution in adoption? And like what tools? Mm. Yeah, at first I thought Joey was the problem. But then I found out that I'm the problem. <laughs> like for for everybody, the person is the problem. You know, yourself is the problem. Where whoever you are, whatever issue you have, no one else is the problem. You're the problem, right? So I've done just an enormous amount of self-reflecting. I've you know had therapy. I've found adoption competent therapists. I've done EMDR, eye movement desensitization, and who oh, I can't remember what the R is. But it's really interesting therapy that kind of gets into your deeper part of your brain, not the cognitive part, but the deeper part. It's been very helpful for me. I follow and listen to tons of adoptees, and I participate in the NAP, the National Association of Adoptees and Parents. They're happy hours and their workshops and, you know, different book clubs. And I just have immersed myself in learning about adoption. You know, I found my own attachment issues. I wasn't adopted, but man, I got attachment issues too, that I've tried to work on. And it, boy, it sure helps me understand Joey a little bit to go, wow, I can understand that need to, you know, that feeling of not being wanted, you know, not getting enough attention. Because for me, it was uh, my parents were very busy and otherwise engaged. And I felt always that I didn't get enough from them. So it's definitely not the same as what my son went through being completely separated. But understanding my own attachment issues helps me relate in a certain way with my son. And, and instead of othering him and saying, oh, you have this certain thing, we both have a touch of it, you know, a touch of the same same kind of thing. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. And yeah, I think that's really just being concerned about improving the quality of your life, Mm -hmm. which in turn improves the quality of his life. Yeah. Yeah. When we do our part, I like that quote. Uh I think it might be Gandhi. I have to check, but be the change you want to see. Yeah, and you know, Joy sees me doing all of this work and with therapy and EMDR, I tell him about certain things and it lets him know that, yeah, grown-ups, you know, 54-year-old people can continue to work on themselves and he can see my growth and I'm much calmer when he's in crisis or when he tells me something he did that he's not proud of or whatever that I don't flip out anymore. I'm able to stay grounded in myself knowing that that's him this is me, we're here separate, and I'm here to support him, but I don't flip out anymore. And he, I think he senses that, he sees it, and he, I think it gives him hope that he can also grow and change and things aren't always going to be this hard. 
Yeah, I hope so. I look forward to him being a guest. So I hope that you'll let him know that I, I would really love to connect with him. I think that would be great to have him on and share his perspective and, and how things are going. Oh, he is so wise and insightful. He knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he knows why he's picking up substances and why he you know, has some self-destructive behavior still. He just isn't able to stop it yet. But I'm hopeful, you know, he has a lot of tools and I I offer him all sorts of ways to connect with other adoptees and all sorts of different support systems. But when he can get clear, I will definitely send him your way. I hope that he gets back on our pod as well soon. And he keeps saying, yeah, I want to record for the pod. And then it just doesn't, it doesn't exactly happen yet. But I hope that he'll be back. My big dream is to be on the TED Talk stage with him together, him and me both talking about adoption trauma and about, you know, getting through teenagers, teenage life. <laughs> yeah. I love the title of your podcast, Unraveling Adoption. Mm-hmm. And I know it was named something else before. How did you come up with yeah. the first name and then the current name? Yeah. So it used to be called Safe Home Podcast. Joey and I created it. It was his idea in August of 2021. He was in a period of recovery and he's like, oh, we got to make a podcast to help other families understand addiction and adoption and mental health and all this stuff that no one wants to talk about. We need to talk about it. Okay. I loved it. And he was on me for the first six episodes and then he relapsed and I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to put this on hold, wait for you? Or do you want me to keep going? He said, keep going, mom, and talk about relapse and talk about all the hard stuff and bring on guests. So I kept going. And every couple of weeks, I ask him, are you sure you want me to keep going? Is it still okay for us to have our story out there? And he says, yes, mom, something needs to be made out of all of this pain. Right. <laughs> this January of 2023, I changed the name to Unraveling Adoption because I just felt more and more drawn to the adoption piece of it. I was trying to cover adoption and addiction and mental health and just too much. There were three different audiences, really. And I wanted to really focus on helping adoptive families, parents, adoptive parents understand. And obviously, we still talk about addiction and mental health because it's a big part of a lot of adoptees' lives. But so now all of my episodes focus on adoption. So I kind of put it under that umbrella now. Okay. Have you heard of Paul Sunderland? Oh, my gosh. That video of his changed my life. Yes, it changed mine, too. Mm -hmm. So spot on. His video is about addiction and adoption. It just helped me understand, well, duh, of course he's addicted to weed. It is completely numbing him out. And, of course, he would grab psychedelics. It takes, for crying out loud, he met his birth mother, while on a trip, you know, on a journey with psychedelics. And he's also had really bad experiences too. But he's he feels this universal hug. How can anything replace that? So it gave me a lot of empathy and compassion. Of course, not everybody does. But of course, that's my son, you know, experimented and got hooked right away. Because he was like, yep, this will do. This works. Thank you so much. And now he's stuck in it. Well, you know, it was Dr. Gabor Mate that really helped me to better understand 
the notion of normal. And his latest book, The Myth of Normal, I haven't finished it, but I've watched enough of his, my Dr. Mate's mm-hmm. interviews to know his perspective about people, all of us, mm-hmm. responding normally mm-hmm. to abnormal situations. That's I love him too. <laughs> I, I adore that man. Joey loves him too. He has a movie, a documentary about him called The Wisdom of Trauma. Yes. And Joey watched that and Joey was blown away by him. He's like, no, we got to get him on the podcast. I'm like, turn your lips to God's ears, you know, like, Babor, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> right. I know. I would love to have Dr. Mate on. Yeah. He's been extremely influential in my life. And yeah, if anyone has not heard of him, go look him up. He's amazing. The whole addiction, mental health, ADHD, even, you know, he talks about all these different ways that people cope. Right. It's really just a mechanism. All these behaviors, you can give each other grace when you're going, well, yeah. You needed something, obviously, and our medical medical healthcare system isn't giving us what we need. You know, it's not jumping in there and saying, "Oh, you have adoption trauma. Let me help you." They're like, "What? What is adoption trauma?" You know, we've had many psychiatrists and therapists say, "Ah, he was a baby. That didn't matter." Yeah, I've yeah. learned so much from Dr. Mate uh, as it relates to attachment mm-hmm. and authenticity, and I even appreciate like little t big t as it relates to trauma i never thought about it that way and it makes perfect sense to me mm-hmm. and back to paul sunderland and what impressed me about him is in his work he saw that adoptees were overrepresented mm-hmm. in addiction and he decided i want to find out why and just really uncovered so much and when he says that we should never say just adoption, it should always be relinquishment and adoption. I was completely hooked. I said, yes, this guy is really onto something. So I'm happy to know that you're aware of his work and and I'm sure Mm -hmm. you're sharing that with other adoptive Mm -hmm. parents because I I think that's pretty important for adoptive parents to, to learn about who has done the research and what they found and what we can do about it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely... I'm trying to get the word out to other adoptive parents and about addiction. There's a statistic that adoptees are 43% more likely to have a substance use disorder in their lifetime compared to non-adopted people. Mm. 43%. And if I had known that when I adopted him at seven months old, that would have informed me completely differently. I would have been much more alert and aware and when he you know, started to be a preteen and a teen, I would have paid more attention to, you know, I, I distinctly remember they had this flyer come through, you know, this parent university thing at school saying, what to know about vaping? And I was like, I don't need that. I don't need that. We're fine. We're good. But if I had known adoptees are 43% more likely to struggle with substances, I would have been in the front row of that meeting. Right. Yeah. But... I was just oblivious and just blue. I thought everything was la la la, just totally fine. The ironic thing is, he was already vaping when that that uh, <laughs> woman I was having, but I just didn't know it. Mm. He hid from me for a long time. I'm just really excited to know that you are doing the work. I feel like there's so much hope when I hear of not just the adoptee doing the work because that sometimes is 
what we experience in reunion and and even mm-hmm. with our adoptive parents that we're the only ones like listening to podcasts and reading books and and so it's very refreshing to know that that there are other members of the constellation that are doing the work and mm-hmm. and that's why I'm happy to have advocates for adoptees because I think that when you're doing the work then you're an advocate or an ally for adoptees we feel less alone in mm-hmm. like managing what's gone on in our lives or or what has happened to us and mm-hmm. and it's it's just yeah it's just really really a good thing to know that you are doing the work and much of your work which i i just highly applaud is sharing it with other adoptive parents and by being certainly by being public having a podcast you are doing just that I did hear you on uh, Simon Ben's Thriving Adoptees mm-hmm. podcast and it was a really great conversation so you are also being a guest mm-hmm. on shows that are related to adoptees so just want to thank you yeah. for that you know historically adoptive parents have had a very big voice I know sometimes when adoptees hear another adoptive parent coming around, they're like, oh, here we go again. But I'm trying to use the power that the culture gives to adoptive parents. Unfortunately, I'm so sorry about that, but I'm trying to use that to adoptees advantage. I'm trying to flip it around. And because some people will listen to adoptive parents that, that might not listen to adoptees. So I'm trying to use my voice kind of like as a white person, as an anti-racist, I suppose, although I'm still working on being better at that too. But, you know, I'm trying to use this place of privilege that I have and use it in a way to help other people learn and get other people to listen that might not already be listening. Yes. I think that's a beautiful thing. And it's it's definitely taking action. It's not just mm-hmm. sitting at home and, and not really doing anything, not being intentional for your mm-hmm. own life and for other people. Right. Yeah, right. that's big. I guess in closing, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? Well, I'll to share a little bit about the adoptive parent support group that I have. I started it a couple months ago. It's called Aptitude. And the first two letters are capitalized like AP because a lot of times we abbreviate adoptive parents as AP. So Aptitude. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's a support group for adoptive parents and foster parents facing adoptions challenges. So these are the parents that are willing to look at this stuff. This is not the rainbows and butterflies kind of adoptive parent group. This is people who want to dig in, who want to read The Primal Wound with us, who want to read adoptee memoirs, who want to watch Reckoning with the Primal Wound, the film by Rebecca Autumn Sansom, who want to be in deep discussions uh, you know, with each other. And we also bring in guests once a month. Tomorrow, actually, we're having one that's a birth mom. So a bunch of adoptive parents in a room with a birth mom who's willing to answer our questions. I mean, how lucky are we to be able to have that opportunity? It's called Aptitude. It's free. And you can find it at my website, which is unravelingadoption.com slash aptitude. And you can find all the information there. It's free to join and everything in there is free. Oh, wow. Thank you. I will definitely include that in the show notes as well. I can't think of anything else. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share our story and to share about the work that I'm doing. And I 
just so admire the work that you do. And I am grateful to be in the room with you. Yes. Thank you for having this conversation mm-hmm. with me today and, and for listening to the podcast. You tell me you listen to many episodes and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you listen to other adoptee stories because mm-hmm. we do want to be listened to. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. And I get a sense that you're doing that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I was happy to learn through Beth and Joyce platform that they are giving adoptees the opportunity to center the narrative of relinquishment and adoption in the world. There are likely plenty of adoptive parents who will listen to their podcasts that might not listen to me or another adoptee. There will be and is an audience that Beth reaches that helps to get the message of the adoptee lived experience beyond adoptee land. On their podcast, Beth and Joy take on the big topics of addiction and depression where adoptees overrepresent in the population. Each time I ask Beth about books by authors who have done the research in the area of relinquishment and adoption, she has read them or has knowledge about the findings. She's doing her due diligence to be educated and well-informed about what adoptees are going through. Armed with that information, she is taking action to be a contributor in creating change in adoption land. I encourage you to check out episodes of the Unraveling Adoption podcast. Beth is supportive of the work adoptees are doing and puts herself in those sometimes uncomfortable spaces with the hope that she can learn how to help her son and other adoptive parents with their children. I look forward to having Joy on this show because he is already making a positive impact through the sharing of his story. Thank you, Beth, for taking the time to have a conversation with me. It was informative and affirming that there are individuals within the constellation besides adoptees doing the work and playing a part in doing adoption better than it was done in the past. It's not necessarily easy or a simple fix, but it's possible to reform adoption. I'm glad I got to meet you in person this year, and I look forward to many more times of getting to know you better. I believe that it is through all members of the constellation sitting at the table together that the unraveling of the complicated issues of relinquishment and adoption is possible. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash land. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you so much for being here.